direct conversion. So you see, this is very important because the interest has to be positive. Because if there is not, then simply the capitalists say, forget it. I'm going to fall back, use the atavistic conversion. However hateful it is, I'm going to withdraw my offer. I'm not going to be part of your enterprise. So therefore, the entrepreneur has to promise a return which will satisfy the capitalist, because the capitalist is not dependent on this exchange. Because even if he cannot make the exchange in any under any circumstances, he can still fall back to the primitive. Uh, conversion, getting a chunk of gold or whatever and cut it up and then he has his income, you see. So, okay, that's one, one remark. <clears throat> now, the entrepreneur converts the wealth into capital goods and then puts it to work derives an income from it, but he has to pay the manager. So investing is a much more complicated thing than just in the simple formulation of Hausmann looks like. You just have to bring in these other players and consider their income or return interest in this enterprise. <coughs> the managerial compensation cannot be reduced to zero either because nobody would come to you unless he's a slave of yours uh, and do the work, responsible work, and uh, that has to be positive as well. So only the third compensation, which is the profits, which uh, accrues to the entrepreneur, now that can be reduced to zero, because the entrepreneur is the driving force behind the enterprise. And if, he, if the enterprise is not a success, it's first of all the failure of the entrepreneur. And he'll be punished by zero profit. Obviously, he didn't go into this enterprise because he was hoping to earn zero profits. There's no other compensation, but what is left over after the interest has been paid and the managerial compensation has been paid. Now,
all this shows that the uh, job of investing is a rather complex thing and these all these components which you have to take into account to come up with a successful enterprise. And therefore this term of investing has really no use for us because it glosses over these details which however are very very important. Now I have to make a correction here so I would like all of you to look at these pages. Unfortunately they are not numbered but they okay if you find the paradox of interest that starts on one page, goes on a, a following page, and the third after that. There is the paragraph starting, even if the owner of wealth is prepared to take the role of the entrepreneur upon himself, or the role of the manager upon himself, or even both roles upon himself, we still have to assume that there is an underlying exchange of wealth and income. And this may come as a surprise to you. And this is what I am trying to explain here. Suppose, for the sake of argument, that a capitalist is acting as his own manager and also as his own entre entrepreneur. Let's just assume, certainly there are lots and lots of cases. The small businesses, majority of small businesses all operate that way. The three roles coincide with one person. It's the capitalist, the, uh, the entrepreneur and the manager, all in one person. Suppose that this is the case. He still has to break down his operations, his operation into that of three departments. It's one operation, whatever it is, some simple, think of something simple like selling uh, stationery, office supplies. And he still has to, and he's the combined capitalist owner and manager. He still has to break down his operation into three departments. Now this is number one, number two, number three. And number one is not readable. I <laughs> explained the reason for that. This has been put through the uh, scanner because I had a hard copy of an early of the first edition of this, but no digital copy. So I had to go, go through this very hateful job because I, I have done it, and, and I will still have to do a lot more of it. 
of putting this whole thing through the scanner. But that sounds simple, but in practice it's very complicated because you can get a, a, a garbage out. You see, if, if there is an unevenness of the surface of the paper which you put into the scanner, or a pencil mark, or this or that, then uh, the uh, scanner will just invent something uh, which will have no resemblance whatsoever. So, uh, what should be number one, uh, and I ask you to co correct your copy, is the bond holding, one word, bond holding. And I mean bond holding department. Number two is readable, it's the managerial <coughs> department. And number three is the entrepreneurial departments. So in order to for in order for the enterprise to be successful, the capitalist entrepreneur manager, all three in one has to break down his operations into three departments. We'll see why. It's not obvious. But he has to do that. If he doesn't do that, he's going to go astray. He's not going to be successful. <clears throat> so accordingly, he would oversee three accounts. The interest account, the managerial compensation account, and the remainder, the rest, is the entrepreneurial profit account. Now, it's one person, but also three roles. There's three hats. And, and he cannot just say, okay, that's my intake. And after all, it's true, isn't it? Because he's a sole owner. He's no partners, nothing, no, he didn't have any hire, didn't have to hire anybody, any manager. Uh, he's investing his own funds in this. But if he does not break it down, the total net income into these three accounts, then he will make a mistake somewhere and the result will, will be an unsuccessful uh, enterprise. Not obvious to see, but very important for us to realize. <clears throat> now why? Why is this important? Since he is the owner and, and this account is his this and this. There's three pockets, so why does it matter whether he puts his pocket knife into this pocket or that pocket? They're very important. It is important. We just have to, have to realize why. Okay, here's the answer. If he wants to have sound financial controls, he must not blend the three accounts into one, and he must assume that an exchange of wealth and income has taken place. So one pocket, the other pocket, this had the wealth, just the other had the income, and he switched. 
it looks foolish, isn't it, that you are asking such questions when it, the trial, pair of trousers belongs to the same person? Why would it matter whether he has these two things in two different pockets? We'll, we'll see in a moment why it is. <clears throat> Well, the reason is that he has to be uh, following the market outside. It's true that he, his one pocket borrows from the other and the other pays interest for the borrowing, but if he does not follow the interest rate which prevails out there in the economy, then sure is going to go wrong because you can go through these cases. I am a bit short. What time did we start? Um, About an hour ago. Yes. Okay, so I have a few more minutes. Uh, and then questions. And and then uh, then uh, coffee break and after that discussion period, right? Am I right? Well, yeah. not actually. We've already had coffee break. Hmm? We've already had coffee break. We'll just go straight to discussion. You know coffee break? No, we already had coffee break. Okay, so have we have... Okay, but uh, I still take, say, five minutes to wind it up and then coffee break and then question period. So here it is. If he does not follow the prevailing interest rate, which prevails outside in the economy, then he may be overpaying interest or underpaying it. And you have to go through these cases separately. Well, how is he hurting himself? It's just exchanging the contents of one pocket with the other. But it, it is not immaterial. Because if he misses the target, then it will punish his enterprise. So I'm, I'm skipping that detail. Okay, but he has to have this exchange of wealth and income, even though his, the both belongs to him, both the wealth and the income belongs to him, but the exchange rate is important and that is what why he has to break down his uh, operation into three departments. Okay, that's one thing. Now, managerial compensation. Why does it matter that he pay, overpays him or underpays him? Because if he's not paying himself the managerial compensation which he could get outside if he overpays himself. You know, it has consequences or if he underpays himself. And again, you have to go through these cases. If he, uh, he has to put the right number on it and the right number is what he could do outside. 
if he sold his services as a manager to another guy, he could expect to get, well, there's always a bracket. I mean, uh, we are not talking about uh, fixed numbers here, but he can pretty well assess what he would get for the same service, typical service from another guy. And he just has to put these numbers into his equation. So any shortfall in the gross income, let's assume the worst case, income falls short, he cannot charge it to the interest account, the bond holding department's income, the managerial compensation. It just has to go to the entrepreneurial profit account. That's what has to be fit, hit first. If any shortfall occurs, you cannot take it out of the interest income, cannot take it out of the managerial compensation. You just have to charge it to the entrepreneurial account. And you immediately see why this complication has to be brought in. Because if you hit another account, other one of the three accounts, not the entrepreneurial account, then you are already uh, undercut your operation. You cannot just reduce the managerial, because then it, it uh, or increase, because you channeled your revenues to the entrepreneurial account and say, okay, I don't mind, I just take my managerial compensation at a lower level, or a higher level, I'm sorry, you see, because that means that you could get more by closing your business, going to the open market and find yourself a managerial job and, and your capital invest into the bonds of a, a more successful enterprise. You see, so th these things come in and reveal how important that thing that uh, accounting is, in which I gave a name, by the way, I have to tell you, very important. I call it triple entry revenue accounting. And this is not by accident, because I wanted to have a, a reference to the very famous principle of double entry bookkeeping, which goes way back to what, uh, 800 years, the 13th century, Luca Pacioli, another mathematician who wrote a textbook on mathematics and one chapter, chapter 11 in this textbook, is about accounting. But just as an 
And a little example on arithmetic calculation, you see. And it changed our whole society when they introduced the uh, uh, double country bookkeeping principle generally. It spread very quickly in Europe. In other parts of the world, it came much more slowly, especially I'm talking about the Chinese and Oriental. They didn't realize that. And because of that, they fell back. Believe it or not, in the 15th century, the Chinese uh, civilization is much more advanced than uh, the contemporary uh, in, in uh, Europe. The Chinese had tremendous infrastructure in comparison with the miserable uh, way in London they just threw the garbage out of the window to the street. Uh, that's a f <laughs> <laughs> and I am told, I am told that the recent burning in London opposite to another interpretation which explains it in terms of uh, uh, infight between uh, groups of gangs. Uh, gangs, gangs. That's not quite the whole story because the story is that in all those districts where the burning took place, 10 apartments had to share one Toilet. That's what I heard. Maybe true, but I'm not going to check it out. Now, in the same way, I'm going to announce the triple entry revenue accounting principle. But time is up, so I will have to do it the day after tomorrow, or maybe during the question answer period. So let's have the uh, coffee break. Okay. Thank you.